0: On today's show, recapping a wild weekend of action in the Spectrum Center, plus Nick Batum turning the ball over in crunch time. How big of a problem has it been? And Nada Edwards joins me for a preview of tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls. We're talking more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do in an entire day. You are locked on Hornets
1: are Locked On, Uh, Locked On, Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
0: your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, another week of Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. Today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app and use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson. David has the day off. Joining me this morning, he's taking a break from Panther's Twitter hysteria to join us. Nada Edwards.
2: (laughs) Doug, what's going on? Uh, again, no one can fill the shoes of the almighty David Walker, but you know what? I'm going to try today. I'm no, going to try. No,
0: listen, you do a great job, and we appreciate you taking a break from Panthers Twitter hysteria because nothing. I mean, I mean, Panthers free agency. Nothing compares in my mind to the to the Twitter. Maybe maybe Duke UNC that that gets oh, wait, people pretty. Wait, have soon. you
2: seen again? Did you see all the Duke fans in my mentions when I said they weren't a one seed yesterday? It's amazing. It was bad. It was bad. I almost had I almost had to cuss a person out or two. I almost did it.
0: March Madness but. is going to be fun. It's uh, I've got what uh, maybe three days to cram and pretend like I know college basketball and fill out a bracket. I will
2: send you, even though kind of, like as long as no one that's listening reports it to my bosses, <laughs> I will give you like all the reference and the stat sheets that you need. Great. Don't worry, I will hook you up.
0: Before. I like it. All right, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day, head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast On the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports, it's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. We've got a fantastic show ahead for you. We're going to recap the weekend of action, plus preview this Bulls game coming up tonight. A lot of importance around this game for the Charlotte Hornets and their playoff hopes. Uh, plus, I've got some stats and, and, and things to talk about in regards to Nick Batum. So let's get right to it. We'll begin in Charlotte, where the Hornets faced a back-to-back At home on Friday and Saturday, needing wins in both to keep pace in this playoff race. They get a 40-point win against Orlando on Friday, but they fall in overtime to the New Orleans Pelicans. The second time they've lost to the Pelicans in overtime this season. The Hornets are 0-5 in overtime games this season and 4-8 on the second game of a back-to-back two areas that the Hornets really thrived in last season that they haven't been able uh, to thrive in this season. Let's start with some positives, though, out of Orlando. The Magic have roster issues, but they've beaten good teams lately since the All-Star break. What positives do you take away from the Orlando game as they look ahead to Chicago?
2: That they actually finished a game. Think about it. They finished a game. How many times have we seen this team – that has the league lead in blown fourth-quarter leads leading to losses. This this team leads the league in that, that statistical category. So the fact that they managed to hold the lead and not only hold on to it but expand on it, I think that was a big thing. Now, granted, they turned around and blew it the next night, but I did like what I saw from... Marvin, who's again, who's now at this point, we just have to call him poster because he will give us at least (laughs) one of them every single year as a Hornet until basically he can't jump anymore. He Again, I I felt bad for Bismack Biombo because it seems like every single year there's at least one or two times where his teammates should be telling him, look out, get out of the way. Nope, Biz jumps up with him and just listen, ends don't, up getting no, embarrassed. Listen,
0: don't feel bad for Biz. He's that's that's called bravery.
2: No, that's called that's called, that's called bravery. No, there's a it's called fate. Between. It's
0: called knowing what your fate is going. It's like being on the front lines. It's knowing what your fate's going to be, but you march forward anyhow.
2: No, that's stupidity, Doug. <laughs> that is stupidity. That is absolute stupidity. And again, discretion is the better part of valor, Doug. No one taught Biz saying clearly, because he keeps jumping. It's like watching the coyote run after the roadrunner and then fall off the cliff. There was... At some point, it gets old. It's entertaining for the first 99 times. It's that 100th time that you get sick of it. You can't do it. There's only so much you can do with that. I'm sorry. No, no listen, more.
0: Don't, listen, don't speak ill of the dead. How dare you? Uh, No, there was nothing discreet about Marvin Williams' dunk and nothing discreet about his performance in March so far. He's averaging 36 minutes per game, 15.3 points shooting, 56% from the field, and 36% from beyond the arc, and adds to that 10.2 rebounds. He's averaging a double-double in March, 2.7 assists, and over a block a game. I know a lot of fans out there saying, where was this in November and December um, <laughs> oh, I'm
2: one of them. I'm one of them. He decided to start the season in March, I say. It's yeah, like, it's, I, I, it's it's one of those things that I find completely annoying because for this guy to be the leader, for this guy to be the guy that everybody looks to for him to start the season so late when basically it is entire it may be too late to do anything to turn this around. And maybe we'll find out there if there's an injury or we'll f- we'll find out if something was wrong with him to begin the season and if so then I do have questions to ask as why wasn't a contingency in place for this or why wasn't the why wasn't the depth put in a position to where Marvin could take some time off and potentially get his body right cuz clearly he's feeling good about himself he's feeling good athletically about himself to the point where he's affecting this much Again, the man didn't put together that uh, this many string of good games this season at all. Like March has been, March has been the point where he's decided to step up and show up and show out. And I, I hate to say it, but it might be too little, too late. And it's that's the annoying part about this.
0: Yeah, unfortunate. And and I love the words you used, annoying. And David uh, Walker also used that word, annoying, to describe this season because it has been so frustrating and because uh, we, we didn't expect this team, I, I don't think, to uh, expand on the success that they had last season necessarily in terms of regular season wins, but we certainly expected them to uh, be in the playoff hunt this late into the season, and the fact that they are three and a half games out of eighth place is certainly annoying. Also very annoying buying tickets online for sports and concerts because it's always been a really confusing process and it's been that way for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And the problem is... None of these older ticket sites want to do anything about it. But SeatGeek is different, my friends. They've come along and created an amazing app and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. The free SeatGeek app is the only app I use on my phone to get tickets because it's easy. It shows me where the best deals are and where the best deals are not. And here's the best part. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. There's a lot of home games coming up in March for the Charlotte Hornets. Plus, concert season is getting underway. So, download that free SeatGeek app, and the you get you can get a twenty dollar rebate on tickets by downloading that SeatGeek app, going to the settings tab, and click Add a promo code. Entering our promo code L O Hornets. That's L O Hornets. SeatGeek will send you twenty dollars. After you've made your first ticket purchase, download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L O Hornets today. Okay. Question about that, yes. Doug?
2: I do have a question. Go because ahead. Does that Call work her. for go ahead. like the um, Hartford, like Bristol area? Because if it does, I may have to cash in on that. I think.
0: Point. Listen, SeatGeek is a national company. I think if you're a fan of this show, whether you're in North Carolina or even South Carolina, even South Carolina can get this deal. So go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm going to try that. I'm definitely going to try that. But I guess that the thing is, and we'll get into this further, but the depth of this team is, is what I think when we take a look at the ep- – when we put an epitaph and a, a wrap a bow around this mm-hmm. around this season, we're just going to say this team didn't have – this team wasn't built deep enough to be consistent, unfortunately. And I think that's where – and we'll get into this further, but the New Orleans loss depth killed them.
0: Yeah, I mean it, um, it killed them in Miami. It it hurt the it really killed them in Miami. It hurt them a little bit against New Orleans, but there were some other problems as well. Let's move on to that game. Uh, you, you you thought that the Hornets would have trouble with the Pelicans size that they offer with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins underneath, but it was actually the Hornets out rebounding the Pelicans and Cody Zeller dunking all over and making DeMarcus Cousins unplayable at the end of the game. Kimba and Batum score 24 apiece. Marvin leads the way with 27 points, a season high for him. Bellinelli and Lamb in double-figure scoring, so they did get some contributions off the bench, but the Hornets lose. Uh, what what happened in this one, Nada, to, to, to cause the Hornets to fall?
2: We were talking before the, we, we decided to start recording this, and I can... I hate to put Brian Roberts on blast, but when you have a negative sixty seven rating between off like a net rating between your offensive rating and your defensive rating. His defensive rating was a hundred and fifty eight or so, and his offensive was something in the sixties or the seventies, I believe. When you're that low, and mind you, just to give people a baseline. The baseline that you're expected to do, at least, is 100 points per possession on offense and on defense. That means you're just league average. To be that far below and to be that bad on offense and to be that bad on defense combined, I mean, the Brian Roberts experiment has got to stop. It's got to. At this point, you have, what, about five or six days left with Breontae Weber. You're going to have to do something with him. You, you, like, we're going to have to make a decision on him shortly. And Grant, he got a little bit of run in that Orlando game, but you can't keep trotting out Brian Roberts if you're trying to get to that eighth seed. You can't do it. it uh, like, at this point, either Sessions has got to get healthy, which we none of us see coming, or at this point, you got to get Breontae Weber because Brian Roberts is unplayable right now. You can't play him at all you're going to have to find another solution. I don't know if it's going to be Lamb at the point guard or you're going to have to bring Batum in or you're going to have to, st- again, stagger Batum's minutes to where he's now the primary initiator on offense and have him operate off of Bellinelli and, and Lamb and do something similar to that. But you can't go in there with a liability at point guard. Period. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I won't I won't disagree that Brian Roberts, well, that the, the decision to go with... Only Brian Roberts, you know, after the trade deadline to make this push for the eighth seed uh, was was not a good decision. I mean, if you really as a team wanted to make a push for the playoffs, uh, depending on Brian Roberts as your backup point guard. And he had a great, uh, great performance against uh, Orlando. He dropped, uh, what was what was his final stat line? 15 points, five of eight shooting. But that's the best that it's going to get. And, it's, and you're going to get that once maybe, you know, every 10 games. Once a
2: season. What's the season.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 not going to be good. So, but I don't I don't think that Briante Weber is necessarily the answer. I don't that's the thing. I don't know if there is an answer on this lineup and and honestly, um, you know, people talk about oh, this team should should hang it up and tank after this loss to New Orleans. I don't know really how this team could tank. I mean, there's not with the injuries and uh the the players that they have behind other players. I'm not sure that it would be even uh, possible to tank. They're in this weird position where they can't, they can't really get much better, and they can't really get much worse. Um, it, it's a tough position. But just going back to this New Orleans game, uh, Clifford pointed to making defensive plays on the guys not named Anthony Davis throughout the game. Uh, one of those guys, Drew Holiday, who played forty-one minutes. Probably part of the problem for Brian Roberts defensively is that he couldn't hang yeah. with Drew Holiday. Uh, also, Solomon Hill seven of eleven from the field, sixteen points. Which um, can't
2: happen. That's Which my basketball crush, sorry. though.
0: That's my basketball crush. He, you,
2: you, you can't give up. You, you can't give up more than maybe ten or twelve to Solomon Hill. Now, granted, four more points, but considering you lost by four.
0: Well, how about nineteen uh, points to Jordan Crawford? It's like it's twenty thirteen, twenty thirteen up in here.
2: Yeah, on a ten day. <laughs> on a ten day, you gave up. Ni- now, granted, he was we can, feeling we can confident. Say, Exactly. We got Johnny O'Brien did. We got the reverse Johnny O'Brien, if you really think about it. But that's just that it's between that. there, There are a couple of things that just bug me about that. Again, you had the DeMarcus Cousins not showing again. He was unplayable. You had Cody that basically ran circles around him, literally dunked all over him twice inside baseball moment right there. You have no idea how hard I was trying to petition for one of the, for that Cody dunk over DeMarcus to get <laughs> okay, on well the sports uh, let me, center Let me ask
0: 10. you this, Nada. Which one did you like better? The Marvin Yam over Bismack Biombo or the Cody dunk on DeMarcus?
2: Cody on DeMarcus because <laughs>
0: Oh man.
2: Cody on DeMarcus only because of who it who it was. That's it. Yeah. Like Marvin gives us one now. Again, everybody's dunked on Bismack. Everybody's dunk. Anybody that's anyone is dunked on Bismack. I'm sorry, but how many times have you known one Cody to go up strong against a bigger guy like that and flush flush it down like that? Again, I, I this- brought
0: I, I I brought you on here, Nada, because I thought we were going to disagree, but we're we're actually going to have to agree on this because I think you, you, if you just take the dunks. Without context, I think obviously Marvin's dunk on Bismack was was more uh, dramatic. Uh, it was more intense. The reactions off the bench were amazing. Jeremy Lamb losing his mind. It made Michael Jordan react, and he so rarely uh, reacts positively at these games. It's either neutral or kind of a, a headshot. Very,
2: very negative. Very, yeah, very so negative.
0: to re- make him react positive is something in and of itself. But But Cody knocked one of the best players out of the game. I mean, he yeah. played a little bit after that dunk, but I think but that, that was, was the beginning of the end. Like, I think Alvin Gentry, uh, Shelby native, what's up, uh, saw that and went, <laughs> oh my God, I can't play this guy anymore. If, if Cody Zeller's going to dunk on my guy, yeah, I got I I to protect him. him. I got to protect him. Get him out yeah. of there.
2: He mentally, he mentally knocked Marcus Cousins out of the game. And um, small little hint, I can guarantee you one, if not both, of those dunks will be on a sports center. Uh, segment called Poster Boys at 9 o'clock. I I may or may not be talking out of school uh, on this one. Well, you know,
0: uh, Cody does a lot of little things to get on players' nerves. Certain players, guys that...
2: White side, number one. Yeah, guys that are a little
0: bigger than him or maybe a little more athletic and and want to bully him. He knows he knows the guys that he can get into their head. Like he doesn't mess with well he doesn't really match up with Al Horford very much, but there's certain guys that he doesn't mess with because they're they're just like on solid footing. Uh, in terms of their emotions, and so he knows he can't. Yeah,
2: emotionally, yeah. But, Horf, uh, Paul Millsap comes to mind. Yeah, Paul Millsap is a perfect example of that. And, like, it, he, Paul Millsap is just going to do work.
0: Yeah, and but on these other guys like DeMarcus Cousins, he's going to grab him a little bit. He's going to give him a little push, a little elbow here. So, stuff that's not going to necessarily get a call, but he plays very physical against these guys, and it annoys the hell out of them, and they end up we've seen him get uh, Dwight Howard or yeah, which one was Hibbert and which one was Zeller? I always mix it up, but, but he's gotten players ejected. Hibbert
2: is Drummond. That's Hibbert, right. Hibbert, Hibbert was Drummond. Hibbert's Drummond. Whiteside, Dwight is Cody. Yeah.
0: Just amazing stuff. Yeah.
2: So again, it's one of those things that you don't necessarily, it's one of those, and I hate that cliche beyond the box score, but in this case, yeah, it's so true because he, he'll get those extra fouls. He'll get those loose ball fouls on those offensive rebounds where you're like, oh, crap, they gave up an offensive rebound. But no, you realize, okay, Whiteside pushed off and Cody sold it enough, or Cody just got enough under the skin where you don't have to worry about it, where it's an offensive foul. You're taking the, again, Hornets taking the ball out of the basket, and here's a chance... To get a, again, you got a dead, effectively, you got a dead ball turnover. It's a beautiful thing for them.
0: All right. We can't talk about this game and not talk about the performance of Anthony Davis once again. Do we
1: really have to? Murdering
0: the Hornets. We absolutely have to. 46 points, 21 rebounds on his birthday, which the guy in front of me at Spectrum Center managed to mention. What is his 24th birthday? Yeah, the guy mentioned it 24 times. I thought that was nice. It was a good uh, synchronicity um uh, 10 of 17 from the field 3 of 4 from 3 with 24 points and 7 rebounds in the fourth quarter and overtime i mean they stifled him early did a good job on him early could not contain him late especially after this should be a little bit of a uh maybe a little bit of a red flag for uh, New Orleans fans is that Anthony Davis really lit up when DeMarcus Cousins went to the bench. He did some things I thought that really only he could do. The swipe through bank shot that he put up on Christian Wood, which by the way, having to play Christian Wood, he I'll say this, Wood did some nice things in terms of offensive rebounding but having to put him up against Anthony Davis was just unfair. Uh, and then the step back three that he dropped on Cody Zeller.
2: Cody, yeah, that was the big one. That, that was one, that one is like that's that's, in, that's indefensible. Well, like, co- no, not it is guy. defensible
0: because Zeller is not supposed to be guarding someone. I mean, the shot is yeah.
2: indefensible. Like, yeah. you, like there's not. Oh, yeah, a in that you cannot player. defend it, yes. <laughs> you can't defend it. You can't defend it. You, there's no way. There's no one that's stopping that shot. There's no one that's preventing that shot because Davis is quick enough to get by 90%, 99% of the bigs. He'll get by at least 75% of the small guys. Like, that. there's nothing you can do about that. Well, that's nothing. That's a tip your hat. Does a tip your cap? Inbound the ball. That's all you. Can yeah, do tip on of that. the hat.
0: Of how do you do? Because it caused Clifford to put Marvin on Davis a, a the rest of the way after Which that. Was three. a mistake. Well, the isolation drive on Marvin Williams with 50 seconds to go. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. That's the thing with with Anthony Davis is that oh, I can't put my center on him because my center can't guard anybody at the three point line. Okay, I'll put my power forward on him, and then Anthony Davis says, okay, well, I'll just move past your power forward.
1: I'll just exactly. back down
0: your power forward. I mean, exactly. he, it, just, it, it was really tough to guard him, and that's why I think that Clifford was so upset with Solomon Hill and others uh, getting points because uh, he knew he's not what wrong Anthony about Davis that, was going though. to do. Oh, no, absolutely he, not.
2: He's not wrong about that, because that, and this is the issue. This is the other issue, and this is what we were, what I was talking about earlier as far as the epitaph, as, as far as the depth on this team. You can't let these bench guys get rolling because once they start getting rolling, mm-hmm. then you actually have to like pay attention to them instead of focusing on all your effort on Anthony Davis. This is where the Brian, this is where while Briante Weber might not bring you much on offense, the one thing we know, the one elite NBA skill that defense. he does bring yeah. is defense. Yeah. And for a team that values defense as much as it does. And this is the other issue I might have. And this goes back to the heat game. You gotta, you gotta start again. You might have to start sacrificing shots to get, to get stops and you're going to have to start playing MKG in these tight spots because Marco's not getting it done for you. I, I like the fact that he can stretch the floor. I understand the fact that he can stretch the floor. You you can't keep doing it because at this point, what Marco's giving you isn't, granted, what it was in, no, again, November and December, and granted, that may not be the most sustainable aspect of it, but MKG's starting to hit jumpers at a more efficient clip I think you're just gonna have to roll with the guy and see if he can take it because at this point you're again you're you're backs to the wall. You're backs to the wall. You've got nothing less loo- left to lose. Play the kids and see because what's what you're doing right now isn't working.
0: Well, I don't. What you're doing I mean, that that may be that may be a smart thing to do if you're looking towards next season. But I have a feeling you know three and a half games back from from eighth place, it's certainly not an impossible. Uh, Thing to overcome because Miami and Chicago lost last night. But I I think uh, that they're going to continue to push just knowing this team, knowing the personnel, knowing the players. I think they're going to continue to push for the playoffs. And you know, I think the most disappointing thing from this game, though, Nada, is that it checked all of the boxes. You had uh, clutch shooting. Uh, they weren't able to do it. It, again, bites them. Hornets 3 of 12 from 3 in the fourth quarter. And overtime. time, uh, they got some bad bench performances. Uh, they couldn't stop a superstar. I mean, it's like they checked all of the boxes. Uh, fourth quarter defense an issue. They gave up 30-plus points in the fourth quarter. They are now eight games below five hundred. Again, three and a half games out of eighth place in the Eastern Conference. I want to talk about Nick Batum for a moment, um, Nada. What what would you say would be the narrative on on Nick Batum this season?
2: Not living up to what he what he gave you last year. And to be fair, I'm not sure that was ever a sustainable, Nick Batum.
0: Okay, because I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, Nada. I'm glad you said that. Because I didn't prompt you to say that because I have to look at these statistics mm-hmm. uh, from this season to last season and I go, okay, last season, 14.9 points, 6.1 rebounds, 5.8 assists on 42.6% shooting and 34.8% from beyond the arc. This season... Fifteen point three points. That's that's above last season. Six point seven mm-hmm. uh, rebounds. That's above last season. Five point nine mm-hmm. assists. But basically the same. Uh, he's shooting two point six percent less from the field. So there has been a little struggle there. But he's sh- this surprised me. He's shooting exactly the same percentage from beyond the arc. So I, I think that's it's funny. I just think the money, the contract. Oh, the
2: money. The money. The money has definitely it shaped, affects shaped that the narrative. Way. And the one, the other thing that I think, what the defense has gone off the cliff, and and, and I don't mean to, no pun intended, the defense has fallen off the cliff.
0: Why there's he, been yeah,
2: like the defensive efforts. There, um, I mean the offensive rebound against Miami, like my, yeah. the Miami situation was a microcosm of his an effort on the defensive level. That's the problem with Nick Batum, and that's the one thing that I guess. If you want to criticize, if you want to criticize Nick Batum, there it's right there. The defensive effort isn't there. Well, everything it's, else,
0: it's. Well, I, everything I, I'm going to add one more. I'm going to add one more. Nada. It's because mm-hmm. I think I think people think that Nick Batum is having a worse season statistically um, than he is because of defense, but also because he's not turning the ball over more because he's actually turning the ball over less than last season. Two point seven turnovers per game versus two point nine, but he's turning over the ball in crunch time of big games. Last season, I did my homework for this one, Nada. Last mm-hmm. season, Nick Batum had seven turnovers in the last six minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime with the margin of a game at plus or minus five. So that's what I'm defining as wow. clutch.
2: Okay. No, that is that no, that's a very that's a very good definition. For
0: All right. So seven turnovers last season. This season, uh, oh, and the Hornets were 4-2 and two in those games. So they had a winning record in those games where he had a turnover in that situation. This season, he already has 14. So he's already doubled himself up with mm-hmm. uh, 17 or so games to go. And the Hornets are 1-9 and nine in those games. And I think mm-hmm. that's where the narrative starts to turn. And, and I want to go through a couple of these to just, I want to take you down memory lane, Nada. Uh, okay, I'm
2: perfectly fine with going down memory lane. All right, it began
0: early in the season, Toronto on November 11th, 2:30 remaining Hornets down 1, he, he heaves the cross-court pass, but it hits the rim. Toronto wins by 2. But I'm going to give that one to Nick because that's a what do we call like creative tax, you know? He's he's trying to create. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Boston. There's a
2: lot of these, there's a lot of these though that I would file under creative okay, tax. Okay, well, though.
0: listen, I I took I took some of these away. Because I Mm -hmm. did. I did those calculations. But um, let's go to Boston. December 16th, 540 remaining. Hornets down one. Batum gets caught in the air and throws it right to Al Horford. Leads to a 7-0 Boston run. Boston wins. A month later in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. A month later in Boston. Again, two minutes left. Hornets down six and on the ropes. Batum dribbling left to right. Dribbles off his knee. Leads to two free throws for Bradley. Boston goes on to win by 10. Dropping two of those to Boston early, I thought... Uh, really hurt the Hornets. And that it, was
2: one of the nails. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the nails.
0: In New York, he commits two of his five turnovers in the final six minutes as the uh, Knicks storm back for a 110 107 win in January. Here's one of the most confusing ones, Nada. It happened in Charlotte against the Clippers. 119 left. Batuma just hit a three to bring them within five. He gets the ball again from beyond the arc. He's wide open, chance to cut it to three, but instead he tries to pass back out to Kaminsky while he's midair in shot. Oh, Kaminsky yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. even looking. Ball goes right to Mute. Hornets lose by five. And then in Toronto on February 15th, Hornets give up a 17-point fourth-quarter lead to Uh, And Nick Batum commits three of six turnovers in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. One was a bad lead pass to Marvin. Again, that you could chalk up to being a creation turnover if the situation weren't so clutch. And then one, he dribbles off his foot on a back down. And the last one, Hornets down three with 130 remaining. And Batum throws the weakest pass he's thrown all year, which DeLon Wright was more than happy uh, oh, yeah. To poke that, away, that,
2: that one, that one, that one had a, a was missing a little Yeah, I and, do remember that one.
0: And then finally on Saturday, under one minute to go in overtime, Hornets down one. Batum dribbling left to right, he gets a screen from Zeller at the elbow. He's going to be wide open, and he dribbles and it off up. his yeah. foot, yeah. out of bounds. So again, a lot of these dribble turnovers, they're extremely frustrating. I think that's the those are the things that are turning the narrative. On Those Nick are Batum. the things
2: that, that that are turning narrative. The one question I would have for everybody that's using that turn narrative: um, How much more of there is? How, there's a much less of a margin of error because of the bench. We uh, I, perfect I, I will keep harping on this until the season is over. There's much less of a margin for error. So there are, and I, I have this conversation with my father, who was a huge Batum fan last year. This year. Not as big a fan, and granted, a lot of that has to do with the contract. But we have to start looking at this bench is not good enough to necessarily to necessarily not take chances with. So if Batum's going to try and do these extra passes and try and throw the ball probably where he shouldn't, why? Because he doesn't have an option. Otherwise, those those rotations aren't there. Who uh, again? Who do you trust outside of Bellinelli and Lamb off that bench? Now, granted, Lamb is just now arriving to a point where you can think of him as somewhat reliable off that bench, and Marco is not as reliable. The problem becomes, though, if he does, if you have this little of a margin for error, there's no Jeremy Lin, there's no Courtney Lee coming to save you. I mean, how much can you blame Nick for taking the initiative and deciding, okay, I'm going to take this risk because – Kemba's not going to do it because Kemba Kemba's idea of mitigating the risk is taking a shot. Nick's idea of mitigating the risk. Let me try a risky pass.
0: Yeah, I think, I, no, I, think I think you're dead on with um, the margin of error because they're there, I think they're in more situations uh, that that Nick Batum can make a turnover in the clutch situation, but also I mentioned the stat the Hornets are 4 and 2 or were 4 and 2 last season when he had that turnover and 1 and 9 in these games because uh, honestly other other guys aren't making shots either. It's like you can look at all those situations that I just mentioned, you can't blame any one of those Turnovers singularly on the loss, but when you when you pair it with it bad bench up, play, yeah. and you yeah. pair it with Marvin Williams yeah. not uh, knocking down a wide open corner three, or even you know, look, kimball Walker as much as he did to get the, the slumping, Hornets,
2: the slumping shooting in in January and yeah. early February, that has something to do with it as well.
0: All right, so that, listen, I just want to keep keep the listeners informed. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's we definitely... We in
2: this some... in the, in the business, my friend. We call this edutainment. I like it. Edutainment.
0: All right, the Hornets are staying home and turning their attention to the Chicago Bulls, who will be visiting Monday night. I'm going to drop a political buzzword on you, Nada. The Bulls are currently in a death spiral. They've lost five in a row, <laughs> including last night's 20-point loss to the Boston Celtics. Let's kick it to Sean Hyken of Locked On Bulls and Nick Fridell of ESPN Chicago for more on what's been behind the Bulls' recent downtrend.
1: Look at the roster. You tell me besides Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and and we'll throw Robin Lopez in there because he had an off night against. He's been solid. uh, He had an an off night. He's not the reason the Bulls are this bad. I'm going to read you some names. Okay. You tell me who you know for sure what you're getting on a nightly basis. Okay. Jaron Grant. No. Bobby Portis. No. Michael Carter-Williams.
2: I know what I'm getting from him. It's a lot of really badly missed threes.
1: Joffrey Laverne. No. Denzel Valentine. No. Chris Felicio.
0: Yes, he plays hard. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to
1: score around the basket. Paul Zipser. That's my guy. That is your guy, but are you banking on Paul Zipser on a nightly basis? Not at this point. Uh, Cameron Payne. No. Cameron Payne honestly looks like he he should go to the D-League for a little bit and get some time... Uh, get some more He's minutes in now. that way, uh, Nico Miritich... Cameron Payne, by the way, was getting buckets in garbage time. Yeah, yeah, it's like that Sammy Sosa home run from back in the day for all you <laughs> Cubs fans out there. But Nico another Maricic, subject close to Nick's heart. Yeah, that's right, but Nico Mirtich didn't even play. I know. Well, Maricic.
2: that's what we're getting out of him at this point. DNP, coach's decision.
1: If Jimmy and Dwayne aren't locked in night to night, and the younger players aren't producing at a high level. You, you got what you're, you're in right now, which is what we've been watching. They've lost four in a row. They've shown no signs of turning this thing around, and they're out of the playoffs.
0: Thanks so much to Sean and Nick of uh, Locked on Bulls. Nick kind of sounds like you, Nada, and he works for ESPN Chicago. You ESPN guys have the same uh, cadence.
2: Look, 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 (laughs) at some point, I I will say this about the ESPN guys. You start hanging around a lot of them, you will develop the same cadence. I promise you. The one thing, though, that uh, the first thing I would say before this, that like if they if the Hornets lose, find a way to lose this game. We have to we have to call it. We have to call it a season. We have to. There's no justification to lose to a bad Bulls team. That's going to be, now granted, are they going to be playing for pride after getting embarrassed on national TV? Of course they are. But you, you still can't know. lose this game. You can't, I, I don't you know can't if lose the, this game.
0: Yeah, I don't, well, I agree with you because I don't even think they're playing for pride anymore because I don't know how much pride is left in that Bulls locker room. I listen to a lot of that Locked on Bulls show because I like Sean and uh, his analysis of basketball. So... Uh, And and the more I listen to that show, the more I realize that this team, uh, they don't believe in their coach anymore. Uh, They don't really believe in each other anymore, if they ever did, exactly. Uh, The Bulls are really struggling down the stretch of games. Over the last five, they are only averaging 20 points on 36% shooting in the fourth quarter. They are dead last in field goal percentage over that same stretch and 25th in three-point shooting. And they're also rebounding it a lot worse than, than they have been over the course of the season. A lot of that, I guess, having to do with letting uh, Taj Gibson go. Um, Frank Kaminsky listed as questionable for this game, so we might. He's been working out uh, pre-game before the last couple of games, so we might get to see Frank Kaminsky's return. That would be big for the Hornets, I think. Not getting someone no, back that, that, from injury that would
2: be big. That will be big because that means someone goes to the bench. I don't know if it'll be Frank in the limited minutes role, but the bench needs some kind of punch and to be quite honest this is where i kind of wish the johnny o'brien injury didn't happen because i do think that johnny o'brien and frank and marco and lamb would be actually a solid bench going into this last 20 game stretch and yes i'm saying solid 20 game stretch because i do believe that if johnny o'brien didn't get hurt he was going to get signed on for the rest of the season because i don't think you can rely on Plumlee coming back, nor he's he's in the same campus Sessions as far as I'm concerned. But the big thing with everything that's gone on is, I think that anything that you can do to bolster that bench, if you're trying to make a run for that eighth seed, no matter how futile the the, the fatalistic Hornets fans are and that want that that really nice lottery pick, and trust me, I'm amongst you. But, but what are you going this... to –
0: that's the thing. I, that's what I keep asking these people. Like, what are they going to do? I mean, you could play – you could um, put Michael Kit Gilchrist on the bench – that may make them better accidentally for a few games you know as they get some shooting
2: mm-hmm. you, what, like what are you mm-hmm. like
0: put, starting Frank I mean you could you know changing the starting lineup because that's what teams normally do right I mean we've seen Los Angeles the Lakers and a couple of other teams do this where you start to play younger guys that may accidentally make them a little better so it, that's it,
2: but I think that's I, I, I don't think they, they can't can tank. tank that's I'm all I'm
0: saying you. they can't tank
2: no I'm with you on that that they can't tank. I do because they're not deep enough to tank. They're nowhere near deep enough to tank. And more importantly, if you took away a Michael kidd Gilchrist and told him to sit down for a couple of games, how well do you think that's going to sit over sit well with Kemba?
0: No, exactly. No, they exactly no both well no, no, s- both philosophically and just practically. That's what I keep getting at. Like they can't practically tank because they're they too the re- they're too good yeah. to tank. They don't have those. Really, um, uh, green thumb players, wise,
2: yeah, and they yeah. and personality wise, it's against this team's nature. Remember, Kemba Walker said this what three, four years ago, where he's like, I don't want another rookie. He said that explicitly, and I think this is the, the that was the year, um, that again, that was a Frank pick year where he's like, I don't really want another rookie, I want to start winning. So, if that's the case, I'm not sure you're gonna get. I'm not sure. Again, the way this team is built, from a mentality standpoint, and the way that people talk about culture, the pe- winning culture, and that's the and I and that's the one thing that's always been bandied about in the last three and a half years, at least through the Clifford regime, culture, winning culture. We wanna we wanna work hard. It, tanking flies in the face of this. That said, you have absolutely no business. Losing to a Chicago Bulls team that is this bad, period. All right. Well, I don't they... want to hear about playoffs. I don't want to <laughs> hear about playoffs. I don't want to hear about, again, we can catch them. They're only two and a half. You lose to the Chicago Bulls tonight. I don't want to hear about it anymore. We're done.
0: All right. Well, we're done. We'll leave that uh, there. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Thanks to SeatGeek, our uh, sponsor for this episode. Download the SeatGeek app and use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. And thanks to Nada for stepping in. Really appreciate it, friend.
2: No problem. Like I said, again, no one can fill the shoes of David Walker. I'm, I'm hoping I did at least a decent job.
0: You did a wonderful job, and we are back again tomorrow with a recap of this game. For Anada, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Bulls. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.